0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co host, as usual, Aiden.
1: Other guys, two very good games for us. You know, it could have gone either way with Aston Villa, but, you know, we we, we take the three points.
0: You know, going into the game, as I think we discussed the last week, I was really thinking, okay, we had another (laughs) close call with with Watford. (laughs) This time it's going to come right. This time it's going to be right. But, I mean, the game starts, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, it was like Aston Villa not playing part of the script. They come out, you know, full gungo attack at us. And I mean, at times, Arsenal were, you know, you know just all uh, clinging on because, you know, we, I think, also started um, realizing that, that, you know, this is not going to be a walk in the park when Maitland Niles just hauled down that El Ghazi for, you know, no apparent reason, like just dragged him down. And I thought, you know what a cheap. You know we always complaining about that cheap yellow card to give away. I mean to give a yellow card like that away. What after eleven minutes? It yes, was a, yes, yes,
1: yes. a really you a know, worry. That, that for me, it was also a, a thing I wanted to pick out as well. I mean it was a very early on. I mean it, it puts your right back in a lot of pressure to actually give a booking away like that. And I mean, the opponent sends blood. And I mean, Aston Villa did start like a house on fire at the Emirates. And I I couldn't believe what was happening. Like You could see Arsenal, what was like a boxer against the ropes in the early stages. I mean, Leno had to pull off quite a good save early on. Like think just before that yellow card, actually.
0: And you know what was also frustrating for me? It was like, I mean, it was like irking me constantly within that first half, like, you know, going through it. Is that the slow build, slow build-up from Arsenal? Because every time, look, you already know they're coming there to defend. It's not like they're coming you know to, to uh, not sorry not to defend, but we were almost like playing a home game, but we were almost like over cautious, and Villa, you know, were up to up to task, and they now you know were gunning for it like against us, and every time it looks like we were now going on the front foot and whatever, we ended up always taking that three or four steps back. So i mean, like we we're making no real progress because. You know, people like say, Xhaka was slowing the game down when, you know, the motion should have been carrying us forward.
1: We, we don't seem as formidable as, uh, at home like we were last season. It's like the first half of games, we're very shaky. And there's like second half, we want to kick into the overdrive. And we saw against Spurs, it was a bit too late for that. And then you go away from home again. And then Arsenal start like a house on fire, like we did against Watford. And then second half, we go into the shell Almost in the reverse of what we're doing at home, it's like we can't seem to get it right home in away performances at the moment.
0: And then I mean, on 20 minutes, of breakthrough for uh, Aston um, with McGinn, you know, uh, poking home a ball from El Ghazi, but <clears throat> again, nobody's alert to the, um, you know, to the danger, because when <clears throat> they showed a side-on view of it. Gwendoza, one minute, is watching McGinn. Then he turns away to look at El Ghazi, who's like, you know, positioning himself to cross the ball. The minute he looks away, uh, McGinn is already starting to make a darting run to the back. Colasina just standing, motionless uh, like as a left-back. He doesn't say danger coming or man on or anything like that. He just stands at stares and points. He don't say anything. So I think David Luiz started picking up what's happening. So he was... Like motion for him to <clears throat> close the angle down, and I mean, by the time again, just guided the ball past Leno, it was too late. And then, uh, Colasina just standing there, you know, shrugging his shoulders, and Lewis just all like gesturing to him. I was like, I told you, go there with that runner. I mean, uh, I... The... yes, no, no, go on, carry on, carry on. No, because I mean, you could see they were, uh, look, I think Gwendozi did pick up that he a screw up in a way, but I think, other than that. It was not like Colosinus is trying to, you know, help cover the, or will he recover the situation.
1: I think the the, the, the the reason for that goal as well is if you look in Maitland-Niles as well, and I think it could have been Pepe as well, there was no urgency to close Al Ghazi for the cross. It's like mm. they were standing off. And then our like you know, our line of defense we supposed to be protecting the cross. They kind of trying to rush forward to play with like a upside kind of thing. Then they get caught napping with just sliding in behind them while they pushing forward. It doesn't make sense. It's like in reverse. Um Maitland, niles and them are supposed to be closing and squeezing our guys to not be able to whip across like that. And then drop a bit deeper the you know, that back line. But then you mentioned as well, Colosinac lovely going forward, but it's just he's his defensive error is not working at all for us. I mean, he's, it's error upon error.
0: Yeah, and I mean now, um, you know, with with Arsenal now rattled, all of a sudden, you know, the passing started getting, you know, either the passes are too too hard, like you know, for the, the players up front, or the passes were not reaching the, the the players. So, you know, that was the one problem. And the other problem was they, they came also with sort of recklessness into the game because. Xhaka then I think something like 38 minutes or yeah, 35 minutes sorry he ends up like the, one of the guys of Aston Villa you know sidesteps him you know is about to start running clear and he blatantly pulled, like, I mean he's a few feet from the ref and you know he, he tugs the guy back because he uh, you could see he was not going to make a recovering run to get the, to the guy so the only like option for him was not to pull back so I was just thinking to myself don't they do that sort of, you know, like what they would call the tactical foul, you know, where you just, like, like, clumsily bump into somebody? But I mean, if you, you know, you know, stretch your arm out and pull, like, literally pulling the guy back, you're not helping your own cause, you know?
1: What is it? What example does that set to the rest of your players? I mean, shortly after that, Maitland now gets himself in the book for a yellow card, also a reckless challenge. I mean, putting us down to 10 men. So, I mean, they looked at the captain as well as, you know, a leader. But this leader is doing something that the teenager should, would do on a soccer field. I mean, I'm sure your kids are even not even, will do that on a soccer field to to another player to pull so deliberately. And I mean, it, it, it filters down to the rest of the team.
0: But you know what? I, I also did not understand. I mean, you had some Arsenal fans, you know, like on social media, like you know, trying to stick up for Maitland. Now, you can you know, when you love it, like the players that play for the team. But I mean, if you see an error, you call it as that because you can't come stick up for a guy that's doing it because if you're on a yellow, you're already coming, even though it wasn't maybe, look at that, uh, Neil Taylor also kind of exaggerated the contact because look, both of them ended up smashing shins against each other. But, I mean, the way that uh, Taylor went on, okay, he was now rolling and the like ref was thinking, yeah, this looks like a kind of reckless tackle. But Maitland Niles is also not helping himself because coming in like that and and when I, I've now looked at that video clip also over and over, he does flick his foot up and I think by the time he realises what he's doing, he tries to, you know, withdraw the the, the leg. But I mean, you could see that the, the stats up thing was showing towards the opponent, so I had no problem with the, the yellow. I mean, I was annoyed, yes, but I mean, that's so what you could see. And I mean, Una Emery didn't even like, you know, want to go check up on him or anything when they now had uh, to carry him off when he hobbled off. just <laughs> you know, that, that sm- smash, smashed up sh- uh, shin and he got these marching orders.
1: But as a captain, it's, you know, and Shaka, you know, before he dives into the challenge, I mean, you kind of have a word in your players' ears. Like, those who are on a yellow card, like, you know, we windled we down, just remain cool, keep your head, keep your head. But like, that challenge was needless and... I could tell, see why everybody was probably pissed off about it. I mean, it throws everything out the window. You one down and a man down. I mean, it didn't look good for me personally. I thought, you know, the way we've been playing with like, character-wise, I thought the game was done. And I mean, then it also did not help our cause when Socrates got himself
0: into a muddle with, with Wesley <laughs> and it made as if Wesley kneed him against the head. To this. <laughs> I found it ridiculous, it actually embarrassing as an Arsenal fan. The sort of play acting he was doing to you know try to get down, almost like the game evened up. And I mean, then, uh, uh what was it when Dozier ended up uh, again having a, a, a petulant stop? He gets a, a warning and a yellow card. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I just don't know how this is going to hold out second half because you already got two guys in that uh, you know, almost like the defensive midfield, midfield positions where you know, tackles do go flying in, and if they now I mean, one is getting himself booked not for a tackle, for talking, and the other one just <laughs> tugging back. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, could we even end up with nine players on the field going into the second half or second half?
1: That off, so. looked very likely. And, you know, I, I couldn't see where goal was coming from. I know Saka um, was kind of actually trying to, you know, get us back into the game. He had one good shot that I think went just over. And I thought, you know, this guy needs to... Probably bring us into the game, and then half time happens, like you mentioned, luckily to go into the break at 1 0 down. And then Emre makes a bold move, actually. I know we've been on his case a lot with his substitutes, makes a bold move, taking Saka off, probably our most dangerous player, and bringing on Callum Chambers.
0: But you know, what I also want to just add with what you said, you know, um, with that half time uh, going in on the goal down. You remember when I messaged you straight off? and I said, I don't know, are we going to get back from this? Because honestly, like, you know, if you take just that sort of 1st half play where there was no cutting edge, there was no drive in the team, you know, to, to surges going forward. Now, it's already tough. Like, we were 11 v 11. Now, we're still 10 v 11. And you still got, like, you know, say key players on yellows. And that's why I, I, I sent you that message where I said, I don't see your way back. I mean, yeah. but I mean, th- uh, that being said, I fully agree with you. Emery, you know, took a, uh, you know, uh, big, big decision to now, you know, take off uh, Saka and bring on Callum Chambers. And, you know, still, the game was still swinging back and fro. But then, I think for me, one of the vital moments in the game was also, or oh, we could now get a glimpse of what what was to come, was something like, I think, 58th minute where Gwendoza starts, you know, was like dictating the game. He's now, you know, starting to pull the strings. And I think, I don't know, it could be even from, you know, whether with conceding that the goal or being part of it, you know, conceding, he almost like took it upon himself to, he almost like tried to right the wrongs. And I mean, look, it all paid off then when he started on this like little waltzing run into the Aston Villa box. And then uh, the uh, defender angles ended up, uh, you know, bundling him over for, you know, which was a kind of cheap penalty. But I mean, the contact was there. Reef gave the penalty. And uh, what was your uh, your um, opinion with Aubameyang then ending over penalty duties to Pepe?
1: I was happy about it because remember I still mentioned the Frankfurt game that I, I was hoping Aubameyang would have passed the ball to Pepe to yeah. um, go and score. But I think he needed that goal too. And I think it lifted his game as well. So it was... a. Very unselfish move by Aubameyang, which benefited the team as well by letting Pepe score and that kind of break the voodoo, um on his back. But I also think Aubameyang knew what he was doing because Pepe scored 10 of his last 11 penalties prior to this penalty he took. So it wasn't like a risk that uh, where Aubameyang just ran aimlessly, gave him the penalty. He knew Pepe could do it, delivered, it, and it lifted the game and his game lifted.
0: Because it was almost like Aubameyang was taking that sort of page that, that Lacazette did that time. You remember where yes. we missed the penalty in that North London derby and then we ended up getting, I think, against Man United, the penalty. Yeah. And, you know, Abameyang told him, look, you take it again. Because I think he wanted to actually hand it over to Abameyang um, to Lacazette. Uh, you know, back to the game. Uh, on the hour mark, you know, just back now, making it 1-1. Aston
1: Villa then, you know. It was 90 seconds. It was literally 90 seconds.
0: You know, Aston Villa end up scoring when Wesley, you know, sneaks in and, you know, guides over. I mean, again, a very like very soft goal uh, from a Grealish cross. And, you know, know, just softly guides it. Comes between the two defenders. I think David Luiz did not look good in it either. I mean, Kolasinac again caught out because he ended up just, you know, randomly giving the ball away and the ball just came back in our direction again. But, I mean, David Luiz... Totally not alert, not also getting a shout from uh, Colosina to actually a better view of where the runner was coming from. So, you know, steers a, a ball home And I mean, 2-1, Aston Villa. And, you know, the, the crowd starts grumbling again and thinking, oh, man. Because I remember with the camera flashed to, to uh, Guendouzi, he was nearly
1: in tears though. he was... Yes, I thought of that exactly now. You know, when you said it now, my my whole visual went to Guendouzi, the, the camera panned onto him.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the crowd now, as I said, grew more frustrated. And I think that is where Emery was now also starting to feel the heat somewhat because, you know, there was nothing really coming. And I mean, I think this was, for me, almost like that, that stroke of genius for, for me as like Emery as a coach in the time that we've not seen in the season, where he brings on Joe uh, Wardak and uh, Lucas Torreira for several and, I mean, Xhaka was totally, I think, like, the pace, I think, where we needed the injection, Xhaka wasn't giving it to us. And I think somebody like Sebastian was, again, hanging almost, like, too long on the ball, you know? So we needed almost, like, everything had to be quick to feed, but also quick in movement. And I think that was, for me, the masterstroke, because the minute that that subs happened, even with Villa having 11 against ten, all of a sudden it looked like we had a man extra... Because we started dictating, and, and and you know the ball was now starting to move. Flow, the game was more flowing, and it was like the faster we played, the more violent it. At at
1: at some point, I think that three should be our you know midfield for some games. That um Gwidozi, Willlock, and Torreira, because they're all quick across the ground and they're strong as well. And I think that's what our midfield needs. I Everything mean, Shaka kind of slows the game very much, so and he doesn't also always track his runners. As well.
0: And I mean, it's like the same way it used to play out when, uh, whether it was Wenger or even Emery, when they now tried to inter- kind of integrate um, El Neni to the side, where, you know, the, the minute the team was going in-, in full flow, the minute that sub gets made and-, and somebody like, say, El Neni came in, then the game just slows down completely to, like, you know, pedestrian pace. And that's what you... I don't think you can survive, really, because, you know, if you look at, let's say, Liverpool, you look at, at-, at Man City, you look at Barcelona, Madrid... Um, you look at uh, even like Juventus at times, not always, but at times. Though the quicker they play, you can see the teams do not, like the opponents, it. Even if it's a top of the table clash type of thing, also you're playing, you know, one of your top four, top six rivals. The minute that pace, whoever edges it, like with, with the, the passing movement, and that they are the ones that only come out tops. And I think that is where we should do it more because the more we try to showboat and, you know, play this possession game where, where it leads to nothing. It's not going to help our cause. So, you know, get the ball moving from, you know, let it flow from the goalkeeper to the uh, to the defence, midfield, and then to the forwards. So, I mean, we got got enough firepower.
1: You, you can see sometimes, like, you know, Spurs, even, you know, when we upped our game against them in the second half, you could see they were holding on for dear life, like, you know, just begging they they have to blow the final whistle. And if, if Arsenal can just kind of, you know, strike a balance of, you know, putting the team under pressure, trying to bag the goals, and then maybe conserving it, but um, try to not lose defensive lapses and individual errors for five to ten minutes, and then go back to that of kill time to kill the team off. Because now we're almost chasing game after game after game, and you know, it's not every time we're gonna get lucky against Aston, like a Aston Villa where we go ten men down and we're able to, you know, fight back to make it three to.
0: Yeah. So. With the change and, 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 you know, the whole di- dynamic of the game now swaying in our direction, Callum Chambers in, in the 81st minute shows some, you know, real tenacity, you know, trying to push for that equalizer. And then it actually paid off because he ended up forcing the airing from the from Tyron Means and and uh, that Neil Taylor. And he ended up getting through. And, you know, like with this difficult little flick, glance the ball past Tom, uh, Eaton in the... Uh, of
1: a logo. Two two. You could see he wanted it uh, he wanted it more than anybody in the box. Eh? Like even though the, the header was back at him before to get the ball and still to you know have that depth flick. And I must also give Gwendose credit for that vision. Like the way he picked the ball up saw Callum Chambers was coming in from the side from the wing and we were able to pick him out like that, you know. And that was for me, Gwendosy was just pulling the strings and I actually wanted to put the captain's armband on his arm the way he was just rallying the troops.
0: And I mean, with with that thing, uh, you know, just seeing the sort of mindset of of Callum Chambers, what I liked was, or not what I liked, if you just think of it also like from a wider perspective, you know, had it been Maitland-Niles, would he have been able to do that? You know, sometimes it looks like he he also runs out of gas quickly in the game, whereas I mean... Callum Chambers, I think he knows he's almost like playing also for his future. So, whatever whenever he gets now that game time, he's almost like really upping his game. And I mean, you do see it. I mean, you saw a little, you know, it was quite vague, say, against Eintracht Frankfurt. But I mean, for me, this game, he was also very, very key to everything, the way it was playing out.
1: Yeah, you know, like, I think he deserves a good run in the team now. Maybe, you know, not like in the bigger games, but, you know, he's, he's been proving himself time in time out when he's on the field and you can see the difference when Callum Chambers is on the field actually. So maybe even Holding should try get a partnership in, in one of the League not okay, maybe League Cup or Europa League games and see how that fares because currently for me like you said Cullen Chambers hasn't really set a foot wrong when he's coming to the TV show that he wants to be at the club.
0: Yeah. And I mean then you know and also now you know pressing on the advantage and Almost like the crowd was also nice on the pick-up because they could also sense something as special is as happening in this game. And then in the 84th minute, after winning a a, a foul, it was, I mean, kind of quite a clumsy foul by Aston Villa, but I mean, Aubameyang then steps up and, you know, fantastically bends the ball into the key, uh, the corner with the keeper, flat foot 3-2 Arsenal, and the stadium
1: went wild. Well, I think one thing that you mentioned to me, I actually went to go look, at, look for it on YouTube that they to win. Aubameyang uh, scores, you see um doji like showing like, you know, keep your head, guys. Keep your head now.
0: And I mean, what I also, I also laugh and also enjoyed. I don't know if you saw it because if you had a, had a look at that bench camp the minute that third goal went in, Sebayos was the first to sprint down the touchline along with the rest of the substitutes and I mean, uh, I think the only uh, this is also where you can see you know what's also happening at the club in a way well, you see, like, okay, Ozil applauded in it, but, I mean, nothing big was made of it, like, from his perspect- perspective. And I think Xhaka also just stood up and applauded, But <coughs> excuse me, but everybody else, you know, even the subs and, and some of the, I think one of the coaches
1: was ran over. <coughs> yeah, Se- Seba, yes, I think he's starting to, I don't know if maybe he's starting to feel at home at Arsenal. Like, he's always been passionate. Maybe that's how he is as a player, he wants to win. But, like, he's really loved by the Arsenal fans, and you don't know, like, if he goes back to Madrid, if he can receive the same amount of love and game time and even, I mean, wages-wise, I think Arsenal, if they probably get usual off their books, which looks like it probably could happen, would be able to give Sebioza a wage maybe that Madrid wouldn't be interested in really giving.
0: Yeah, but I mean, three points at the end of the day, and I mean, it was much, much needed points because, I mean, I just think to myself, if we had not even dropped not like, two points at home, you know, you're chasing a pack. I'm a, look, let's be also real. We're not really, you know, watching our Liverpool. And it's now just now, you know, third, fourth and stuff like that. But I think if we had now fallen off that pace more, you end up when you look at it on the side. Because my mind already, we're not, we, we were like uh, 2-1 down even. And, and I wouldn't 2-2 yet. But at 2-1, I was just thinking to myself, now you look at the table on the Monday morning after all the uh, round of fixtures are done and you think to yourself... They used to take seventh, they're sitting eighth now. You play catch up just to get to the you know, the, the, the sixth or fifth or whatever, and then after that then it's again another mountain to climb to get third, fourth in that region again. So I mean And
1: Leicester looking very really dangerous as well in that
0: day. Yeah. Because I mean Rogers, I think he's doing a hell of a job with, with Leicester City because all of a sudden you see I mean the sort of drive, I mean I you know, watching them in that first half against Spurs, I mean, I also didn't think of much of it. But that second half the way, they sort the, of, you know, it was like getting a fight up the backside probably after the talk that he gave them. So it was also, as you said now, they are quite a strong team. And I mean, with a coach like that, who knows where they can go.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Leicester away will be a very you know, tricky place to go. So Arsenal can't also let Leicester pull away from them. And like you mentioned as well, teams were dropping points around us. Spurs, Spurs lost. Chelsea lost and United also lost. And I mean, if we had to throw that opportunity away with us going to Old Trafford, I would yeah. have been, like you said, definitely points down the drain.
0: Because I think we're now getting to a part of the season. Look, you just know for a fact, uh, you know, United are going to somehow try to fix this problem they're going through. Chelsea, I heard there, that the Peel thing could be even dropped where they could maybe sign in January to still players because they're now still doing some legal appeal with UEFA and So, you know, for them to click uh, click into again, and I mean, with Tottenham, it takes one or two results and they, you know, back on that sort of trailing. And I think, morale-wise, Tottenham are almost like on a low at the moment. So, I just think to myself, us as Arsenal Football Club need to really, you know, kick on now. Get get that that sort of, just somehow sort of like breathing space between us and them. I mean, don't care now about what Liverpool or or City do, because I mean, sometimes City... Also, you know, a very iffy season, but I mean, for me at the moment, the two of them are not really my priority. For me, as I'm just getting, you know, away more from that little pack that's forming behind
1: us in a way. It's weird, actually, before we know, we want to do the Carabao Cup. Uh, I think this was probably one of the first seasons where you know, I went in with an honest mindset that, you know, Liverpool and City are in their own league and we now are actually playing for third and fourth. Because in the beginning of a season, I always you know had that glimmer of like, you know, we could maybe, but like this season you actually th- looked at it and it was like, you know, third and fourth is what we're playing for.
0: Oh, I think for me, <laughs> when, I think where reality set in for me is when I saw our players sprawling on the field last season at Anfield, <laughs> I think <laughs> We have got <laughs> the reality
2: check.
1: <sighs> oh. so but yeah, Carabao Cup uh, third round against Nottingham Forest. You know, I, I put my hand up when I saw our attacking youngsters. I <laughs> messaged you and I was like, Why are we playing this youngsters? We need a more experienced attack. And then, of
0: course, for our listeners or who don't know about some of those, our private chats, um, just a few weeks ago. Aiden, and I also had like this kind of debate about the, the team setup, And then Aiden was complaining because the team was, again, too defensive. Now, <laughs> the team gets too offensive. Then he had a problem with that. So, I said, look, you've got to make up your mind, But <laughs> But, okay, that being said, our attention now falls to the that Carabao game. Uh, in goal, Martinez took over. Callum Chambers came in at right back, uh, holding. And Mustafi was our centre-back there, And Kieran Tierney came in at, to make his debut for the first team. Uh on the bench was uh, sorry, in midfield was Torreira and Wallach. Uh Emil Smith, Rowe, Urzel and Nelson were across the midfield as well. And then Martinelli Spear headed our attack. What was your thoughts on the lineup? Like, you know, going back with whatever play would be you now a standout for you to watch.
1: TNE for me. He, he caught my eye. Just the way he was bombing down that that flank. And I was thinking to myself, I can't wait to have this guy. But he just seems like the complete player, the way he was taking everybody on. And I'm not going to say reminds me of Robertson of, of Liverpool, but he has that type of drive and attack. So he will, for me, bring a lot of excitement. And I think he could be a big factor, especially if Aubameyang plays out wide there with him. For me as well, Martinelli also really impressed me. I, you know, in preseason, I never really got to see much play and I wasn't really also impressed by him. But the guy has space to burn. But the disappointment for me was, you know, Mesut Urzel. I thought, you know, maybe as captain and the most experienced guy, I think the only guy over the age of 27 or something like that, he actually let me down because, you know, I'm rooting for him. I still wanted to make an impact for the club, but it just seemed like he couldn't, you know, give a damn at the moment.
0: I mean, I mean just a rundown of the game. I mean, <clears throat> we ended up hitting the post in the 10th minute with uh, Nelson. Uh, 26 minute Mustafa even you know did some audacious little <laughs> act flick but I mean that being said I was gonna first kind of get I annoyed or curse but when I saw, when you saw that the uh, almost like the alternate view from that that we did the flick that thing was actually quite close to the crossbar. I mean I think he, he had to put a bit more dip on that ball it would have gone in because that keeper didn't expect that sort of attack and then I mean the breakthrough that comes in the 31st minute. Again, fantastic pressure by Arsenal on the uh, Nottingham Forest midfield. They end up, you know, managing to lose the ball. The ball breaks to Reece Nelson, who spreads the ball wide to Callum Chambers, and I mean, in that in that flow of the game, he just hits the first-time volley cross. And you know, Martinelli jumps between two uh, of the Nottingham Forest centre backs, and he manages to dart a bullet header past the keeper in the Forest goal.
1: One 0 Arsenal. It, it seems like. Um... Callum Chambers is becoming accustomed to that wing back rail for some reason. He's eating in crosses like Roberto Carlos yeah. would have been proud of. Because <laughs> I mean that, that, that nice ping-pong ball, in mean, there I think it was Nelson who hit that ball. And it wasn't the easiest of cross to put in the way he put it in for Martinelli. And
0: I mean what I'm also liking what, what you know said, it's like he does not he can do a thing where it's like, you know, uh, you know, almost like say chest tight and flat, or you can hit it like a arcing ball to the far post. Or he can just, die, you know, eat a, a short curler to the near post for you to attack. So, as you said, now, you know, he's giving us, like, different varieties of crosses. And I mean, I'm liking what I'm seeing.
1: I think the Arsenal youngsters, you know, started off that, like, you know, putting pressure on Nottingham Forest. And from what I heard, Nottingham Forest was a very team, if they can't they can't another immediately. So, they did quite well to hold out on the Arsenal pressure to get them to time. just 1-0 down the first
0: minute, it was like also, you know, Tierney was, you know, bamboozling Matty Cash. I mean, he's quite highly rated in the championship for, for like, you know, in defence as a right-back. And, I mean, he got skinned inside-outside by Tierney constantly. And, I mean, in that 41st minute where Tierney beats him with a fantastic bit of skill, gets the ball across. And I think that was another one kind of sad thing of the first half where uh, Emile Smith-Rowe attempted for header, ended up clashing with the centre-back of Forrest. And I think he, had, he ended up having a slight concussion and had to be subbed at halftime for uh, Saka.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's a pity to uh, that Emile Smith-Rao got injured like that because, I mean, he, he seemed like he was getting into the game very nicely. Uh, but, I mean, with Saka coming on, you can see, like, um, Saka is destined for something great, I think, at the club. I don't want to jinx him, but, you know, he, he actually had of He just has that expected to him.
0: And, I mean, now, 71st minute... Again, what we were saying in the previous match, turning point in the game, Miss Urzel comes off, hands over the captaincy to Rob Holding, and I mean, with with Ozil coming off, the team then started becoming more attack-minded, because all of a sudden, the same way that that Villa game changed in our favour, even though look, this was still a tight game, <clears throat> at times in the like with the Forest uh, team, the minute. Ozil came off because, I mean, then uh, you know, came on and was the other side that came on also? Uh, that, roughly that, that period. You remember? Yeah, oh, but...
1: The, uh, uh, the, the, the Ballerin the, the and it was... ah, uh, 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 it slipped my mind now as well.
0: Yeah, but OK. That being said, they come on and, of course, the team starts, you know, with a more flowing, more attacking style of play and then, I mean, within, what's it, 30 seconds of the substitution... Ball gets floated over by Reese Nelson and Rob Holding. Not a free at 2 no Arsenal.
1: It was, it was a very good touch. I do saw on Instagram. Or I think it was Instagram or Facebook where Alan Ramsey actually commented on the fact that it was nice to see Rob Holding on the pitch and scoring. So you can still see that the guy is Arsenal through and through. But I think you know Rob Alding should be. Um, in that first 11, either next to Socrates or Louise because the two guys are like the keystone cuffs next to each other.
0: Oh, yeah, I just had a look now. It was, Semajosic came on for Urzel and then Ballerin came off and uh, Ballardin came on for TNN. That was the substitutions.
1: And then shifting, shifting, um, Callum Chambers to left back, which he, he slotted even even better to than right back.
0: And then in the seventh minute, minute, uh, Wolok, it scores a fantastic goal because I mean, the I mean for for the, look at uh, the attendance is normally not that great on Europa League or even Carabao Cup nights, but I mean that whole place erupted because just the way you know, the corner gets floated over, Balleran tries to have a pop it goal, ends up smashing one of the Forest players. Ball breaks to Mustafi, who, you know, like with twinkle toes plays a <laughs> perfect little pass to Balleran, who just whips in a forty five and Balen well, like, just steps in, fantastic goal, great work.
1: I, it just shows what the likes of Tierney and Paladin could be adding, you know, the future for Arsenal in the next maybe two games. And I'm not sure if they would start now against United coming up on Monday. But the two of them have pace to burn, and they could actually be putting the attacking team, I mean, the opposition more defensively, even if they have, you know, attacking wingbacks or attacking wingers. Another thing I want to add as well. I don't compare us to Liverpool, but the fact when you take Ouzel and um, Chaka out the team, you kind of have a team that can, you know, play a pressing game and, all, and can, you know, have a lot of speed on the field, getting around places where Ouzel and Chaka don't give you that on the field. So, like when you mentioned Ouzel coming off, game changes with, like, pacey-wise.
0: And then uh, 84th minute, Callum Chambers, you know, was playing a blind all night. Uh, gets the ball on the other left you know, perfect little ball with a left foot and I mean, he's not really known for hitting passes or crosses with a left foot gets.
1: rich Nelson who then just guide the ball and pass the keeper, 4 0 Arsenal. And there's a real blitz of goals, eh? Like, I mean, from one, from one moment from being 1 0, 1 0 up to, you know, blitzing into a 4 0. I think it's the kind of result we the, the Premier, I would say, our strongest eleven actually needed because to get our confidence up to a better team.
0: And then on just about the 90th minute, some tenacious work by you know, gets He gets him past the uh, forest midfield. He then just glances up once, sees where the keeper was somewhat off his line and then ends up beating a bender to the top corner, which I think just flicked off Saka's I think, shoulder or elbow. And it just looped into the top corner, five 0 Arsenal, and a date with Liverpool at Anfield.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately. But one thing I must admit about these youngsters is that they can't slot into the starting eleven. I mean, we've never seen it really, you know, near the end of the Wenger reign where the guys who play the Carabao Cup just play in the Carabao Cup in your Open League. But, I mean, you can give Martinelli a slot alongside Pepe, and Lacazette and Aubameyang. You know, you could replace either one of them and he could do a job. You can do that with Saka. So, it's good to see that we have players that, you know, are knocking on the first 11 door on 11 door, and there's no complacency that can sit in with the main guys.
0: You know what only annoyed me, really, with, with um, the whole like over the two... Uh, two days of of League Cup results. Um, You know, everybody was just going on something like, you know, it's just Forrest. It's just Forrest. Like, you know, I'm I'm talking of rival fans. And then you look, like Tottenham got dumped out by Colchester. (laughs) League two side. Nothing really was, you know, it's more like just, you know, poor Tottenham, poor this and whatever. And then you had Rochdale, uh, you know, just losing on penalties to Man United. Again, not a big deal as made, even though... That that, that uh, Rochdale gave United, a, you know, a game like you know really pushed them also all the way, not like, to one way traffic, and then also who was one of the other teams that also got
1: West Ham got hammered by um, Oxford City four 0 and I think Liverpool got the result, but they only won two 0 against MK Dons.
0: Yeah, so you know you you see that sort of media thing, and and if you think with with Nottingham Forest, it's not like they are mugs in the Championship because if they win, I think, their game tonight, they go second in, in the championship. And, I mean, they, there was talk also they haven't lost also for a while, and, and you know, the sort of run that they were going on. So, I mean, for me, it was... We almost like, stopped them from playing their national game because, um, from what I have listening to other, like, you know, pundits and that they were talking with, with regards to Nottingham Forest in the championship, they have been quite an attacking team, but they said we did not... Because I found it also strange, in a way. You did not see that... Because I was expecting a... a how would I say a bigger challenge from them, you know, knowing that, you know, where they place now in the in their league and that but I mean we almost like our midfield also did not allow them to get in, you know, too much of the say the broke we you know, we broke up play quicker. We also had them more on the back foot the minute our keeper or the ball would be in our half. We'd see that the ball is already travelling to theirs. So, you know, it's not like they were doing a lot of running because I think at the end it was like watching
1: Walking Dead Extras because none <laughs> of the,
0: their legs were like gone already I think with was five or ten minutes to go. They were done physically.
1: Mustafi and Martinez, you know, clean sheet the combination here. You know? is, is it the coincidence or is it just the class of the two of them combining together? I had to laugh at that tweet of of Mustafi
0: when they said something like uh, you know it's not thing sheet with Mustafi in the team and he
1: goes sorry <laughs> sorry yeah, I'm sorry yeah because everybody always blames him but I don't know it, it, uh, even Rob Holding seemed to have done a, a decent job at the back together maybe he Rob Holding's composure compensates for Mustafi's madness all over where he just sometimes um, lunges into and tackles and things like that but I, mean, what, I don't think Socrates and Louise should uh, keep their places. I think if, if their performances keep on going like this, something needs to be done. Because I think it, it could also work
0: if you have, say, holding with uh, almost like either or, like either Mustafi or, uh, uh, Mustafi or David Louise or Socrates. You could do something like that. But as well, like as you said, though, that Keystone Cops comment, if you put that Mustafi, uh, sorry, Mustafi, Socrates and David used together. I think that is where the problem will arise because none of them really look on top of the game when, when like, also with picking up people. Yeah, I don't know. You always see, like, now with that score, since we played with a combination in the league so long, like, for those uh, few matches, they always, like, they're not watching, like, who's behind them or... So it's like they get too, too casual and they end up losing the ball or being caught in position, stuff like that. Whereas, I think with, with holding now in that defence or... Maybe Mustafi and Alding, the way they've been played, they're almost like alerting each other look, this one is making a run there, or, you know, stuff like that. So maybe that's
1: a option to look at as well. Because Rob Olding, remember last season, Rob Alding was the fixture in that centre back, when, And Socrates, Mustafi, and Co were almost playing around him until he got injured. and obviously he had to sit out. But imagine the batteries, also started coming if you look at it, because when Rob Holding was playing, he was a big part of that unbeaten run we did last season, so maybe he deserves a a shot back in the starting eleven.
0: Okay, so now we switch our attention to the Monday night game against Man United at Old Trafford. Um, You know, it could be a Titanic game either way, but, you know, that being said, uh, United have massive injury problems. I mean, look... uh, Rashford is already going to be out for I think quite a few weeks with that uh, groin strain that he has. Um, Martial, uh, even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not really sure if he's going to be fit for the game. I mean, look, I think he's something like he's going to be in a situation now. He he could now think to himself, he probably will have to throw in a player like like say Martial with uh, say seventy percent fitness, with that risk of you know uh, longer term you know out. And then, of course, you have Pogba. uh, They said he he ended up getting a badly bruised ankle, which, you know, was really swollen up. So they're not sure whether or not to take that risk and, you know, let him play. But he said that he must probably, I think, uh, Solskjaer said he must still ask the team doctors also what their assessment is of him. Because, look, it's going to be a physical game. And, I mean, imagine he now goes in, like, say, 50-50 with, say, a... uh, if Xhaka plays or Gwendoza, they suck into him. If they know now, you know, he's got the dodgy ankle.
1: And it also comes down to Solskjaer making a choice. His, does, you know, could he get fired if he loses this game? So does he risk Pogba who could get injured for a long-term injury and he misses, you know, a big chunk of the season? Or, you know, Solskjaer is very really up in the air with his future. I know they haven't said that he's going to get sacked or the sack is calling, but... You know, the, the players, again, at United, seem to be not playing for him. But that being said, you know Arsenal, the moment they go to Old Trafford in the Premier League, and suddenly like United are playing like the old United under Alex Ferguson again.
0: Yeah, they're always up in the game because for me, it was always like when I used to see, say, under Herrera, back in the day when he was like, playing for there I'm thinking to myself, OK, he's in there, so we can still dominate, and then he ends up dominating us, and that weirdo, what's the Jesse Lingard, when he comes in, <laughs> and he does his whatever moonwalk stuff, and he ends up becoming like some sort of messy in that team, and we end up looking like mugs. How are
1: we? Yeah, I just, I just hope that we, we, we can dominate the game. You know, start strong and kind of put United under pressure because they are already coming into the game feeling the pinch a bit. Yeah. You know, drawing to Rosdale, and then almost. Um, they, they lost to West Ham. I mean, if Arsenal put them to the sword, it's almost like, you know, they fall be, further behind in the back mm. and Arsenal, you know, gets confidence and they can push on. So, it's it's, it's going to be a very tough affair. But if Arsenal can, you know, get it right and be consistent, I, we, we, we could possibly take the three points.
0: Yeah, because, look, United are there for the taking because at the moment, they look... <clears throat> I mean, I've now watched... A, you know, a real chunk of the games because I mean, you know, for yourself, I'm somebody you know, I'm not really going to sit and watch the United game, but when I know they're there for the taking, then I will sit and watch. And you know, more often than not, I say, especially this season, you do see that little chink in their, their, their defense. So even with you know, Maguire and Juan Basaka and that in their, their squad, they, they do look vulnerable. So you know, <coughs> like, the taking, so I just hope we now you know, go full blast at them. Don't play, like, you know, too attacking. Play clever. Because I think that is the way you're going to overcome a win Old win
1: I'll basically at the ability to a, a political as well. If Emre picks the correct midfield, which I'm hoping that he, he picks, you know, guys who can get to cover the ground very quickly. I mean, I'm, I don't know if by him playing Torreira in the League Cup means he's going to be sitting out against United. I think that is wrong. I think Torreira should be in the starting eleven with possibly Warlock and Guendouzi in the the midfield three, but Emery probably has other plans to what
0: I have. Yeah, because this is now also that leads us to that that talking point of mind, because uh, as of today, it's now been known that uh, Karanjaka now becomes the first team captain, like the permanent captain, with Aubameyang as his vice captain. But I mean, you can see just by going on Twitter or listening also to
1: pundits on TV, I mean, it's, it's not really a popular choice. But but why like what what, what actually what is the that decision be, was because he was one of the like you know longer players not longer like compared to the Paladins and stuff but like what is his reasoning for it? because I, I, it doesn't make sense because now you forced almost sure him in the team in which he, he doesn't really fit but now you're gonna have to play him and at the moment Jacques is taking a lot of criticism. And yes, he is maybe not playing the best of games, but it's not his fault as well because he's not selecting himself to be put in the starting eleven. Because if he maybe gets two, three games out under the out of the limelight, he can work on his game. But now Emery is almost putting him in time after time after time after time, and now we all you know getting annoyed with Shaka. Well, from what Emery said, it
0: was a players' vote. So they, yeah, a players' vote. He had the like an election, and they could now vote who they want as the captain, vice captain, and whatever, so on and so on.
1: Maybe we have something in the background. We don't know what's happening, you know, why they voted him captain. Because uh, I mean, more often than not, captains get sold, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> oh, good one. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we're going for that. Maybe the Arsenal players thought of that and did their research and were thinking, you know, that's the best way to get him out of the club. Yeah, but
0: I mean, you know, I'm going to wrap up the podcast now. I hope you guys all have a fantastic weekend. I hope we get the positive result we needed. Because, I mean, it's been a while since we've now gone there and come away with three points still to So, come on, you Gunners.
1: Let's go, Gunners.